Space Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On our latest episode, Josh Peterson and I share our thoughts on the confirmed Obi-Wan picture now in development and decide if this is a good move or a Jedi mind trick for the Star Wars franchise. We also talk Crackdown 3's delay and is a $10 a month movie pass too good to be true? Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast About Nothing also stops by to preview SummerSlam. Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Paydirt podcast checks in with the top players and strategies for your upcoming draft, plus clips from the latest Super BS Gamescast and Guardians of the Geek from Humanica Media and another hit song from Plasma Z. It's another aerial array of podcasting touchdowns we have for you today as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. How is everyone doing out there today? We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast and I'll tell you what, it's been another great week of pop culture news and information and all that fun stuff. And who better to break it down with me today than my good friend? He is the battalion chief of Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? What up, what up? I'm good, man. Just uh, trying to figure out how this Netflix here works on this Sony box that I hardly ever play until recently. Uh, I hear you, but with Netflix, it could be changing. Uh, 
over the course of the next couple of years with some additions and some subtractions as well. Uh, we talked about it on a previous episode. So Netflix itself is going to be changing very, very soon. And the you know with the Defenders coming out very, very soon, at least the first four episodes, I'm definitely uh, excited about watching that so you and I can gauge exactly if the Netflix Marvel arrangement is still going to be good going forward. So that's something definitely to look forward to there. Also something definitely good to look forward to is all the great stuff that's happening at Humanica Media, including another new arrival. So tell us what's going on with Humanica Media. Honestly, man, I don't even know anymore. There's so much stuff. It's, <laughs> I can't even keep track of it. It's not even me like going, hey, let's, let's do this. It's just people coming up to me and saying, hey, can you do this? And I want to tell them, no, I don't have time, but I don't have the heart to do it. So I just end up with more stuff than I know what to do with. There's a new podcast out called Gardens of the Geek. It's kind of a, uh, it's a revamp of an old podcast, but not really. It's just a rebranding or something. But yeah, so that's going to be a bi-weekly thing. It has the guy, uh, Keith from What About This is part of that. And he They talk comic books and comic book movies and a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, related to nerd nerddom nerd geekdom i guess would be the word for that i guess so see i still have an issue with saying it uh i know salvador via from mario party wars has no problem you know, you know putting that out there and because remember i'm from the old school days where being called a nerd and a geek was like really just like a slap in the face and now everybody seems to be embracing the nerd and geek culture everybody wants to be a nerd or a geek and like even people who are are not are trying to steal our subculture from us so this is a problem you know pretty much pretty much but yeah man so i got that and there's a uh, we're gonna record new what about this saturday god willing and we have a new uh new topic apocalypse that just got recorded and there's gonna be a new super bs on mondays the wheels are always turning man always turning but you also had a interview i think brian did on the super bs games cast is that correct yeah he interviewed um a couple of guys from Two Raven Studios, and they create a game called Wild Heart, and it's actually a, I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, it's free, it's pay what you think it's worth, but it's its a really cool looking game. It's a, um, I don't really know how to describe it, it's kind of the game plays in the style of like Final Fantasy Tactics, but you play as wood creatures in the woods, so it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's a pretty neat concept made by these guys who were actually made this game as a part of a college course, so you can check out the interview. It's up on podcast.com or and iTunes. It's under the Super BS Podcast. So definitely check that out. Those guys are really cool. And also as well, you've got the continuing playthrough from Hellblade. It's a Suna's Sacrifice. Uh, and I know the review is coming up very, very soon. In fact, we'll actually be talking about it in detail on the Monday episode. So definitely look forward to that. And so much more. I know Conan Exiles, Fortnite. I know that's also on the docket for you as well. So, so definitely a lot there for you. And if you want to check out everything that's going on, check it out at Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter. So we've got a great show for you today. Our fantasy football guru, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pay Dirt Podcast will stop by later in the program. Also as well, our good friend, Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing will also be showing up as well, talking about WWE SummerSlam. He's going to break it down with me also later in the episode. I'm also going to play a couple clips from the latest Humanica Media podcast, and we're also going to have a great song from Plasma Z as well. But first up, Josh, 
we have got to talk about the big news that came across today. It's something that we've been speculating on for quite a while, but it wasn't a 100% sure thing. But it looks like it's been confirmed by the Hollywood Reporter today, so I want to give them the props. It is the latest project underway for Lucasfilm, and that is a new Obi-Wan story. So I ask you, Josh, when you heard the news that it is a 100% confirmation, not confirmed yet if Ian McGregor, who has played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequel movies, is going to be a done deal that we're not sure yet. He has said he wanted to play, but I ask you, what are your thoughts on an Obi-Wan film and where you think it will take the Star Wars universe to that next level? I'm kind of on the fence about it. I, I like Obi-Wan as a character, but I'm not, I want to know where it takes place on the timeline before I make any, uh, you know, judgments or anything on it. Cause I, I honestly like, I don't really care to know anything about a younger Obi-Wan. I maybe would want to know like what he was doing in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. But at the same time, I feel like if there is a story to tell, it would have been mentioned at some point in the older Star Wars movies. So I guess it, it just it depends on what it is and what it entails, where it's at. I you know, I like the idea of it, but this is what we were talking about before. Like, are we reaching for characters that don't really need to have expanded stories told because we we know enough about them are you also referring to the han solo story as well well i i mean i'm i'm kind of looking forward to the han solo because they don't tell much about his backstory but whereas with uh because you know he wasn't in the prequel trilogies whereas with obi-wan we kind of watched him grow up and mature and become the jedi master that would eventually uh you know help luke out in a new hope but with uh, Han Solo, you know, we don't know much about his backstory besides the fact that he just appears in A New Hope. And I, I'm more referring to like these, the idea of like maybe having a Yoda film or a, uh, honestly, I don't really care about Boba Fett that much. So it's just one of those things. Like, so we have Obi-Wan and where exactly does he take place? Uh, what What's going on? Because I feel like if there's a significant tale to be told about him, we would have already like had whispers of it, you know? Well, I, I think maybe there is a, a few stories to tell. I know there's been some books written about that time between the last of the prequels, Revenge of the Sith, and A New Hope. There is quite a gap there, obviously, from the end of Ian McGregor's time and then the start of Sir Alec Guinness's time. So there could be something that, that takes place within those years that could be exciting enough for fans of the Star Wars universe to actually embrace and actually want to see when it hits theaters. In fact, I think there might be even a little bit more of that because like I said, there's so many years in between the aging process, obviously as Obi-Wan got older into you know Sir Alex Guinness's age and whatnot, I want to know exactly what he was doing. Was there any secret missions or anything that he was dealing with with Yoda or, or doing to try and you know, salvage the Jedi Empire during that time frame? So it's definitely, to me, a little bit more interesting than what you have come across as saying. But I can understand your trepidation in not wanting to see this or not having the desire to see an Obi-Wan movie of this extent. And because he's been all over pretty much, you know, one through what six, as far as, you know, with, with even him appearing as a ghost later on in the, uh, the fifth and sixth episodes. So that being the case, I still think there is a story to tell with Obi-Wan 
and as far as uh, in the future. I think Ian McGregor himself as an actor has embraced the role. They don't have Ian McGregor play Obi-Wan. I think that is, that's definitely important if they want to bring fans back into Obi-Wan's stories. They need a sense of continuity because if they don't have Ian McGregor play him, that will be three different actors. And that's kind of like, you know, we start breaking into Spider-Man territory there. What are your thoughts on the Obi-Wan film that's going to be now in production at Lucasfilm? Are you are you excited to hear about that news that it's finally a done deal and it's going through that process? Or are you concerned that it's just another money grab and it's not going to turn out well? Are you excited about Ian McGregor playing the role again? Or do you want somebody else to play the iconic role of Obi-Wan Kenobi? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, once again, it's going to be a great episode we have for you. We've got Tyler Baker that's coming on the way right after the break that's going to be talking about the, all the things fantasy football as far as what you need to do to prepare for your draft. And then r- later on in the show, we've got our good friend as well, Mike Crockett, from the wrestling podcast about nothing, the show he does with the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's going to come by to break down SummerSlam and what things he's looking forward to and what things you wrestling fans should look forward to as well. Plus also, we are going to both share our thoughts on the nature boy, Ric Flair. He's had health problems as late. It's been all over the news and we're going to share our thoughts on on what kind of legacy he has and what he means to this professional wrestling industry. He's going to be by later in the show to talk about that as well. So it's going to be a great episode indeed. We're looking forward to all this great stuff going on. But right now, it's another awesome song from our good friend Plasma Z. This is Level One. And this is the PCC Multiverse.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. BS. Presents. Check out Brian's interview with Sam and Jimmy from Two Ravens and the developers of Wild Heart on the latest Super BS Gamescast. But I think the aesthetic and the tactics idea was really, really, really smart because you guys might have gotten lost in a wave of puzzle games if you would have had that approach. But I don't know what, what your, your end game was anyways. It, it was kind of nice because um, like, like without throwing the university lecture under the bus, he, he didn't really like, one of them didn't really like Wild Heart when we pitched it to them. And yeah. the pitch was a sort of disaster. So wow. it's, it's kind of nice how well it's turned out after sort of being told it wasn't, it wasn't the right idea. Yeah, I mean, it's, it really is a cool, like, game and idea that's i'm i am sure that's half of your guys's attention was just because people love tactics games and people love this really cool minimal art style i mean your your artist did some incredible work what games inspired wild heart i know you mentioned fire emblem have you guys played other tactical games that you guys really like (laughs) i think um it's not quite in the same realm but we did very briefly look at the old super mario rpg um, oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> when we were first trying to put the combination of ideas together, we did briefly look at that as a way of moving through an overworld and having these battles pop up. That's the Super BS Gamescast, available today on all Humanica Media outlets. And we're back here on the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today we thank you so much for listening and oh my goodness it's a great joy indeed because it is that time of the year again fantasy football it being so much part of american culture right now and even actually around the world is growing by leaps and bounds i remember playing it little by little in the 90s everybody getting together with their dollar bills and their ten dollars and putting together to a pool and whatnot to pick up the players but <laughs> fantasy football has now grown to, to such a, like a almost like a mega industry all of its own and with all the drafts pretty much taking place right around now over the next few episodes that we're going to have on who better to talk a little bit about fantasy football than our new guru of fantasy football tyler baker of dklegends.com and also as well the fantasy football pay dirt podcast how are you today 
I am well. I'm very well. Football season is back. Uh, some guys are sports fans. I'm a football fan. So from February until July, I'm just in this awful, depressing slumber, and I'm waking up again. Training camp is happening. Preseason is happening. It's football season. It's fantasy football season, and I am just so excited. I'm excited to be on your program. Thank you. Oh, well, it's great to have you on indeed, and I'll tell you what. There's so many things I want to discuss with you. First and foremost, I think what we'll talk about is let's go over some of the top players that people need to start thinking about selecting in those early rounds that they're going to have because they're, they're going to have their drafts coming up very soon within the next couple of weeks, if not the next couple of weekends as well. So who are some of the top players they should focus on for their upcoming football drafts? Sure, sure. Well, you can find all of my rankings at DKLegends.com. If you'll go to DKLegends.com, go to the NFL tab, and you will see my 2017 draft kit, and that will have all of my player rankings, and I'll even have notes for all of the players. Now, when you're talking about your draft, you need to have somewhat of a strategy and by a strategy, I don't mean you need to lock yourself into certain positions at certain rounds. You really have to go with the flow of the draft. And uh, so you're going to need to be a little bit prepared, and the draft kit will help you do that. But I do have my top guys that I like. And for me, I like running backs. If you get a top running back, you are looking at every week production, and you're usually looking at a really good chance of getting touchdowns every week. And six points for a touchdown is huge in fantasy football. My number one running back is David Johnson. I have him above Le'Veon Bell. I think David Johnson is more durable than Le'Veon Bell. David Johnson doesn't like to smoke the weed like Le'Veon Bell does. And David Johnson is a very much he is that offense he is the focal point of that offense especially with the news coming out that john brown a receiver uh for the cardinals his sickle cell trait the doctors haven't been able to get that under control so it looks like that that offense is really going to run through david johnson carson palmer at his advanced age you never know what you're going to get at this point in time i think his better days are behind him so definitely a reliance on johnson looks to be in order correct uh, that is correct. I think that this is the last hurrah for the Cardinals, and I don't think it's going to be a great one. This is probably going to be the last year Larry Fitzgerald plays. Hate to see him leave. Such a great player. This Indeed. could be Carson Palmer's last year. This could be Bruce Arians last year. You know, he battled cancer last year, and he didn't tell anybody and he coached through it. That's just a tough kind of guy that he is. But uh, I think the Cardinals, I, you know, it's one of those teams I love watching. There's so many guys on that team that I really like, uh, but unfortunately things don't really look good for them this year. But if there is a bright, bright spot and if they need a spark every week, David Johnson is that guy. Definitely an excellent choice indeed. And I, I agree with you a little bit about Le'Veon Bell because he has not shown to be able to play an entire season for whatever reason, uh, no. whether injury or otherwise. So, uh, I think if you're looking at week-to-week -week upside, Le'Veon Bell has higher upside week-to-week. -week. He is just a phenomenal player, phenomenal athlete. He plays on a better offense than David Johnson does. But you're right, there's always something, whether it's an injury, whether it's a suspension, whether it's Big, big Ben uh, – 
missing a couple games because of injury, that's going to change the dynamic of that offense. And I don't think it's necessarily in Le'Veon Bell's favor when that does happen. Plus, their offense is so prolific, it could take away from him on a personal level unless he gets a lot of uh, pass receptions as well. So who else are you targeting? Because I know you said running backs, which it's funny because how that has evolved as far as, it, you know, in the past, running backs were the main source of everybody needed to get running backs. Then it kind of evolved into quarterbacks and uh, in, in the past few years because the, the trend is, as far as passing has gone so far up from previous years. Wide receivers have become a, a valued commodity as far as a top flight receiver. So you, you're, you're still sticking with running backs if you're in those early rounds or were you looking somewhere else as well? Yes, and the reason is you are going to want – advantages at your positions over your opponent. Meaning if you have great running backs and your opponent does not, at those positions, you're going to have an advantage. Now, yes, there are top tier wide receivers and middle tier and lower tier, but there's not as much of a fall off from a top tier receiver to a middle tier receiver. And the NFL, there are only a certain number, a very finite number of what you would call a workhorse running back, a guy that is out there on every play. A lot of teams from the running back position require a lot of different things. So what a lot of teams will do, they'll have kind of a bigger running back that'll be their short yardage guy. And he'll be the short yardage guy. So when they get around, uh, you know, when it's third and two and they need two yards, they'll put in the big guy. Or where they're down on the goal line, they need a touchdown from a couple yards out, they'll put in the big guy. But then they'll also have kind of a smaller scat back type of guy that they'll have on third down when they spread the offense around or spread the offense out. And so that uh, that third down running back can go out and catch passes. There's very few teams that have a running back that does all of those things. And when you're talking about getting an advantage over your opponent, you want a guy in the, at the running back position who does all of those things. David Johnson does all of those things. Le'Veon Bell does all of those things. LaShawn McCoy does all of those things. And all of the guys that I have in the, in the top two tiers of my rankings, they are workhorse running running backs. They're going to be on the field all the time. So when it comes to your draft, um, my draft strategy is going to be get running backs early, maybe try to get one of those tight ends. And I have a podcast about tight ends that uh, your listeners can check out and then wait on receiver. I think the receiver depth is, I think the receiver position is very deep. And the reason is, and you just touched on it, is that the NFL is kind of moving into a um, more of a passing league. So that means that there are going to be receivers in the later rounds that you can get on your team and you don't necessarily have to get one of those top tier guys. Oh, that's great indeed. Some some real inside depth there for you from Tyler Baker of the Fantasy Football Pay Dirt Podcast tell you what i'm just so so stoked because I, I know drafts are coming right and left whether it's yahoo whether it's espn whether it's DraftKings, you know what have you even if you know right around the office pool and whatnot there's a lot of uh, fantasy football drafts going around it just it's great to get that inside of knowledge and if anyone out there wants to find out more about tyler baker's work check out dklegends.com and also the fantasy football pay dirt podcast which you can find and it is available on itunes and also through libsyn that you can also find all the channels that libsyn sends out to including itunes aka apple podcasts 
if there's any type of strategy that people should follow through the draft. I know you mentioned as far as focus on running backs first. How important is the quarterback in the modern age of fantasy football with all the PPL leagues and whatnot? Because from back when and even towards the past few years when I've drafted, I know certain quarterbacks always seem to go first. So so what are some of the trends that people should follow? And what, are, what key strategies maybe do you have the best advice for? You're right. In earlier days, everybody got a quarterback first. And the reason is the quarterback is going to be the position that scores the most points on your team. But guys and girls began to realize that the number one quarterback and the number five quarterback, there wasn't that much of a difference. Whereas the number one running back and the number five running back, there was a big difference. So what you see now in fantasy football is you see quarterbacks begin to come off the board in about the third round. And if you're in kind of an expert league, they'll start coming off at about the fifth round. And the reason is, is that you want to gain any advantage you can. And the advantage that a early draft pick quarterback is going to give you over an opponent that has a middle draft pick quarterback. Fantasy football is about value. It's, it's you're using your draft picks. You're trying to get as much value as you can. And there's just not a lot of value in passing up on one of the elite skill positions at running back, at wide receiver. Those elite guys are only are the only guys that are going to give you that elite production. I've, um, in my draft kit, isolated a couple quarterbacks that I think you can get late that are going to have really good production. One of those guys is Kirk Cousins. Now, I know that there's been a lot of uh, changes in that offense, and normally that would be a little concerning, but the changes that they've made, I think, are actually going to play into Kirk Cousins' strengths, and he's playing on the second year of a franchise tag. He has a lot to play for. Uh, that's a really good offense. Also, I like Phillip Rivers this year, similarly, because he has such great weapons around him, and he would have been a much better quarterback last year if the game scripts would have been a little bit better for him. Mike McCoy is gone, their head coach. They're making some changes. And both of those guys, Kirk Cousins, I think, is going in the eighth round, and I believe Phillip Rivers is going in the tenth round. So there's a those, top. Those are some good values. Very good values. So instead of spending a third or a fourth round pick, now is Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or Drew Brees going to put up better numbers than uh, Kirk Cousins? Yeah. But are you going to get more production on a week-to-week -week basis from spending that third or fourth round pick on a really good running back or wide receiver? I say yes, and I say that that's the better value. With Kirk Cousins as well, he is playing for a contract, most likely somewhere else because he can no longer be franchised by the Washington Redskins, correct? No, he can be franchised, but it's going to cost them, I think, $38 million. <laughs> and I don't see the owner of that particular franchise paying him that kind of money. So he probably is playing for somewhere else and he needs to make sure he still has those stats to prove it. Otherwise, as you know, in the league, one bad season can totally turn around people's opinions as far as your future is concerned. It is. It is a what have you done for me lately 
league. And I would disagree. I think Dan Snyder's charging about $12 a hot dog. And uh, judging on that profit margin, I'm sure he could he could afford to pay Kirk Cousins $38 million. But well, you're no, right. I, I, I don't he think he will. <laughs> I, I just don't think he'll want to. Seeing, sure, seeing his pattern as far as erratic, as far as spending is concerned, yeah. he holds back some years. He, he splurges others. But that yeah. situation the past couple of years with Kirk Cousins has deteriorated. It's been a mess. Yeah, yeah, so I don't I don't see him staying there for, for very much longer. Although that yeah. could change as well. But you know, those are some great strategies as far as who to look forward to in what rounds. Uh, once again, it is Tyler Baker from the DKLegends.com site. You want to check out and draft you actually you can download his entire draft kit, which is now available. I'm actually looking at it on the screen here. It's available at DKLegends.com, correct? Uh, I do the top 50-ish uh, running backs, wide receivers, top 30 quarterbacks, and about the top 25 tight ends. So all of the okay. top players are covered, and there are player notes on just about all of those guys. Now, that yeah. will be updated constantly. Anything else you want to tell people exactly where they can get all your great information and also the great updates? And, and basically, how much are you planning to update during the course of the next few weeks and also the season as well? You know, I have for years loved helping. For one, I love helping people. It's just, I love it. I love helping people. Well, uh, I've been helping people with fantasy football for years. And this past year, I've worked for the best fantasy site in the world. And working with these professionals has really helped me learn the ins and outs of it. So with my podcast, the entire premise of my podcast, I want it to be nice, quick, and concise, and I want you to have all of the information you need to make good decisions throughout the year. Because what I've learned is you will not win or lose your league in the draft. You will lose or win your league according to how you manage your team. And that means paying attention to the waiver wire every week. That means making good trades or not making trades. It means setting your lineup to be the most efficient that it can be every single week. I think everybody in life is just looking for ways to connect. And fantasy football is a great way to connect with your coworkers, with friends, with your family. So if you're having a little trouble getting started, just let me know. I'm here to help. Well, that's awesome indeed. And definitely if you are in the realm of whether you're someone who who knows fantasy football has played many years or even someone who's just started definitely the fantasy football pay dirt podcast and tyler baker's articles on dklegends.com is definitely the place you need to go to for all the latest information on fantasy football tyler it's been great having you on today's show we truly appreciate you being part of the pcc multiverse Thank you very much. And in the future, remember, you got a guy. You got awesome. a fantasy football guy now. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That's our fantasy football guru. It is Tyler Baker from DKLegends.com and also the Fantasy Football Pay Dirt Podcast. And we thank him so much for being now a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to ask yourself one question, punk. What the hell is a cigar nerd? Welcome to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. It's the only show where two guys smoke cigars and talk about nerd culture. Do you like movies, games, comics, sci-fi, pop culture, and beer? Do you like science, nerd news, explosions for no apparent reason? Then this is the show for you. It's like being in a nerdy cigar shop, but for your ears. 
check us out at cigarnerdpodcast.com. And we're back at the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Before we go into Crackdown 3 and all the issues there, let me just make sure everybody knows out there on Monday night, it is the number one show six months in a row on the podcast radio network. It is the Pop Culture Cosmos show. It's available at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the podcast radio network. It's also available on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts. Tune in, Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gun and Geek Network, Cast Crunch, Social Podcasts, and our home site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Also as well, on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, it's one of the fastest rising shows on the Podcast Radio Network. It's Attack of the Humanicans. There's a lot of exclusive content specifically for that show, so you got to check it out, Attack of the Humanicans, on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, so check that out as well. Josh, I'll tell you what, uh, this is something I guess a lot of people in the industry kind of foresaw this and kind of saw this coming. That was the delay by Microsoft for Crackdown 3, which has been in development for a little while now. It was going to be releasing side-by-side with the launch of the Xbox One X, but unfortunately... It has been delayed to 2018 with no specific time frame mentioned, just 2018. But I ask you, Josh, what do you think is going on with Microsoft when they delayed Crackdown 3? I was actually wondering the same thing, because obviously it exists, because we got to see it firsthand at E3. We got to watch people play it. But from what I understand, a lot of like early reviewers and testers have been saying that it, the, it's really uh, kind of janky gameplay. It's kind of shaky. It's not solid. It's really glitchy, I guess. And um, I'm wondering, my speculation is that it has a, uh, you know, not only are they trying to iron the kinks out, but they're trying to, I, I think their development cycle took a little bit longer because the Xbox One X is coming out and they're trying to meet the specs of that console, if I had to guess. And, and hearing that it is, possibly had some issues from a technical standpoint is not surprising. Like I said, you and I were at E3 and we got to see glimpses of it. And maybe it's not refined enough at this point to be something that Microsoft wants to showcase off with the Xbox One X. But that leads to a bigger question. What really is going to be the go-to game to get for the Xbox One X when it gets released? Because there's no game being shipped alongside with it. The closest would be the new Middle Earth Shadows of War. That would be the closest thing to it. And then maybe you could you say the the new Forza that's going to come out. That, But that comes out before the, the actual system comes out. So does Microsoft now have an issue if there's, there's no game that's going to go be released side by side with the actual launch of the Xbox One X? See, I don't know because I know they, a lot of people, uh, the excitement revolving around the Xbox One X is being able to play a lot of games they already have in native 4K, but it's, uh, there, there aren't any launch titles, you're right, so that's gonna, that's, that's definitely interesting, but, you know, the, the thing is, like, I'm, I want to see how many people actually go out and buy this at first, because, 
4K tech, as far as like TVs go, like it's relatively new and not a lot of people have it. So you know how it took a long time for people to get Blu-ray and kind of catch up with all that? I think that's going to be a definite speed bump for this new Xbox as far as that goes. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I know eventually they will get there. But by this time, you know, who's to say that like PlayStation or even the Nintendo Switch won't catch up to what is going on in the current technology cycle. What are your thoughts on Crackdown 3's delay and also the Xbox One X coming out later this year? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanican Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back after playing another great Humanican Media clip from one of their podcasts, we're going to come back with our good friend. It is Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. He's going to break down SummerSlam with me right here on the PCC Multiverse. Check out the show that's all things nerdy as Guardians of the Geek is now on the air. And and I mean, you go back to like the original Batman in the 60s, yeah. which was great, but yeah. like it was a different type. You know right. what I mean? It's like a, it's a single episode. It's just like a madcap. It's just a it's just a fun romp. And mm-hmm. then but then you have the Netflix ones that are a little bit different. So yeah, I've enjoyed them. I'm curious what capacity is going to be in it, though. I mean, if he's going to be it for the whole run, is yeah. he just like this kind of flashback, like dark figure that's for what I'm Jessica Jones? Like, yeah. I, I, I'm curious what capacity. Yeah, because it does say here, I'm just reading it, and we were talking about this right before we started recording, that she did kill him at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder what will happen, if it'll be in flashbacks, or if it'll be, if as as it is with all comic books, he's not dead, because they're never dead. That's Guardians of the Geek, available today on all Humanica Media outlets. And we're back for the show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today and well it's that time of the year for the wwe it is one of their biggest and always one of their best shows of the year it's SummerSlam. this year is SummerSlam 2017 it's got a great card lined up and who better to talk about professional wrestling than well a man who actually recently return to the ring to deal out some justice to some uh, other individuals who might not have been very fair in the ring themselves. He is a great and outstanding returning guest to us. It's Mike Crockett of the wrestling podcast about nothing. And if you have not heard it yet, you have got to hear it as soon as this show ends. How are you, my friend? Very good, Gerald. Thank you very much for having me back. It's great to be here as always. Oh, thank you as well. And, and, you know, that troublemaker I was talking about that, if you don't know Mike Crockett's background, he was a referee on the independent scene and actually returned to the ring to handle a certain troublemaker that I uh, I think I know as well, if you want to go ahead and elaborate a little bit more. Yes, uh, this guy, I've uh, had issues with them many years, for many years, many years, and various <laughs> forms and fashions. It is uh, my co-host on the wrestling podcast about nothing, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's been with you, uh, with both of us, of course, a couple times here on uh, Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he's been getting out of line in the podcast and he's been getting out of line in the ring. So I figure why not go back in the ring and just make sure that everything is on the straight and narrow with this guy. And he did all right for the most part, but, you know, he still tried to get his jabs in. But, uh, you know, I'm the authority in there. I'm the referee. So what I say goes. Oh, that's awesome. As long as he didn't try to hit you with a chair. 
He did not. Not this time, anyway. Not this time. Before I want to get into SummerSlam 2017, unfortunately, some some real tragic news has hit the professional wrestling industry in recent days, and that is the continuing health issues for what I would call the quintessential wrestler. Uh, and probably the if you were to take a, a Wikipedia or an encyclopedia and, and just turn to the page and what is the description of a professional wrestler, my definition would have a picture of Ric Flair. Appreciate and respect his work tremendously as one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest. You know, obviously, that's always up for debate. But Mike, I want to know what kind of influence does, you know, obviously someone that's even closer to the ring than, than I am, what does Ric Flair's legacy mean to the entire industry as a whole, in your opinion? You know, um, back in the 1980s, Gerald, it was Hogan or Flair. That was the, you look at the wrestling magazines, you go to the newsstands, you see the magazines, it was always the dream match was Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. Those are the two big names. Of course, Hogan was up north um, in the WWF, and Flair was down south for the NWA. So, I mean, there were basically neck and neck for you know who was the most influential guy in wrestling at that time and he's just continued he's had a uh, long career um of course he retired uh, at wrestlemania a bunch of years back against Shawn michaels but he is a quintessential professional wrestler and uh just the stuff that we've been hearing um uh, the past week now has been really tough to hear. It started with, it was a routine, and then it became, he had heart issues, and at one point, there was a surgery, um, and he came out of the surgery, I believe it was Monday, and he came out of the surgery, and he was resting, but, I mean, we're hearing tonight, uh, and this is airing on Friday, but this is a couple days prior to that, uh, we're hearing, the latest I'm hearing, he's still in critical condition, he's not out of the woods yet, and just the outpouring of uh, affection you see online on Twitter and stuff like that. I mean, if you if you want to know Gerald, what people think, where Ric Flair stands in the pro wrestling world, just go to the biggest names in professional wrestling. Everyone on Twitter just uh, giving their well wishes and their prayers and thoughts with Ric Flair at this time because yeah, he is one of the most influential professional wrestlers of all time. And I mean, hopefully he pulls through this thing i mean it, it just still sounds like a dire situation and that's terrible to hear and hopefully he comes out of this and we can see him strutting around again i hope so as well he was at one time put in a medically induced coma and anytime that happens so that, that's, that's some really scary stuff He's got so much support from around the world. I, 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 like you, have seen the outpouring of well wishes worldwide from social media all over the world. And just it's so great to see that someone is so appreciated and beloved and has entertained so many fans over the years. And, and you know, at this point in time, is trying to give something back to him to help him get back as far as the recovery is concerned. So definitely our thoughts are with him truly one of the greatest this you know well we'll say it the sport will ever see as the old saying goes the show must continue and the show must go on and and with that there is SummerSlam coming up this weekend on the wwe network and uh, i'll tell you what it, like i said it's to me it's shaping up as a very very promising show whether or not it, it comes off in execution we'll have to wait and see you've heard the lineup Mike, what stands out to you the, uh, the most as, as being the match to watch this coming Sunday? Well, first of all, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens, and that's one of the matches that I'm looking forward to. And 
hopefully they get some time. And, you know, you look at the lineup. I, I see the lineup I'm seeing here has 12 matches on it. But at the same point, this show is going to be four hours long. It's starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, not 8 p.m. And plus, there is a two-hour pre-show. <laughs> so uh, strap in, get, sit down, get your uh, drinks and beverages, your popcorn. It's going to be a long night. I'll say this, Mike. They, you know, though, for those calling for a, a smaller time period after WrestleMania, I don't think WWE has really learned its lesson in that regards. But then again, they need to fill programming for the network, correct? Yes. Yeah. They they're um, they think more is better, and so I mean, it's still the same nine ninety nine a month. So uh, what can you say about that, really? But uh, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens—that's one of the. Uh, Back to your question, that's one of the ones that I'm looking forward to. Um, the Jinder Mahal Shinsuke Nakamura match, it's very interesting because the Jinder Mahal experiment here has... Uh, it's fallen flat here domestically, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in my eyes. Uh, yeah, as, as you're kind of alluding to, the rumor is that basically he was put in this position because WWE is looking to grow their audience in India. And so they strapped the rocket, as they say, to Jinder Mahal. And he came over from Raw, where he was basically a mid-card talent. He didn't really win many matches at all. And uh, I think he goes you're being to- generous in that statement. <laughs> and he goes to SmackDown, and he's almost immediately uh, in title contention and wins the championship. It's kind of the whole Raw versus SmackDown thing. I know we talked about this before, Gerald, with you know the brand split. Jinder Mahal is a mid-card guy in Raw. They move him to SmackDown, and he's a champion. It just, to me, it makes it seem like, you know, it's a secondary brand. SmackDown is number two. It's it's a, the B-show, essentially. But, uh, I mean, Jinder Mahal, they've done everything they can, but I can't say for sure they bail, they're going to bail out on, on him here and give Nakamura the championship, but I would say it's probably leading in that direction at this stage i'd have to agree with you on that with only one caveat shinsuke nakamura had does not have i guess maybe the the backing and the the shinsuke kwa so to speak that he once had coming out of nxt where he was just over i guess the vernacular if you want to say that uh was just tremendous he's not been given the same kind of attention coming to the wwe roster on smackdown I'm hoping this will give him new life because I think he is just an extremely talented individual. And at one time, he was considered one of the top five wrestlers in the world. Yeah, he has been a little cooler than when he first came in. I think part of that is because he was in NXT for a really long time. And he's a guy who main evented in Japan, main evented the Tokyo Dome. And he was, as you said, a top guy, one of the top guys in the world. And they brought him over to the U.S., to WWE, and they put him in NXT where he's working in front of, you know, two, three, four hundred people. And the first night in, he had a match with Sami Zayn at a takeover show. And it was a tremendous match, the match of the year in my eyes that year. So the fact that he did that his first night and then he remained there for a year was I think uh, it took some of the starch out of him. He wasn't special anymore by the time they were done with him in NXT, and then they brought him up. And yeah, he hasn't gotten that spark back yet. But hopefully, if they give him the title here and they uh, get behind him in a big way, then he can 
get back to where he was. But it's it's yeah, there's a little bit of a r- repair work that has to be done for Nakamura, and I think giving him the title here will help with that. Uh, yes, definitely some sound analysis indeed. Once again, it's Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. But I want to ask real quickly two things. We'll we'll start off with this: a match that could surprise people that maybe not too many people are looking at on on the card and are saying that's a match that they want to see. Hmm, I'll say the Raw Tag Team Championship match, Cesaro and Sheamus versus Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. If you watched Raw this past Monday, Ambrose and Rollins, they were formerly a part of the Shield with Roman Reigns, and that team was one of the most overacts. I would say three guys that were coming up from NXT, three guys that they really treated the best when it came to storylines, when it, they kept them strong the entire time. The crowd is behind them completely. And then they they broke them up. Seth Rollins ended up turning heel. But now Seth Rollins is back uh, as a good guy. And him and Dean Ambrose finally came together uh, this past Monday. And the crowd, uh, it was right here in Boston, Gerald, where Raw was this past Monday. And the crowd went absolutely bananas when they finally uh you know put their fists together in the old shield pose and i think you know down the line we're gonna see roman reigns and we're gonna do the shield reunion and i think it's gonna be big money down the road and i think roman reigns may need that at this point because you know he gets a lot of uh negative attention from a lot of the fans at this point i think uh, him going back to the shield will be a good thing but for now uh, it's ambrose and rollins Cesaro and Sheamus, and just with the way the fans have rallied behind Ambrose and Rollins, I think that one will get the crowd pretty excited, and hopefully maybe we'll see Ambrose and Rollins uh, win the Tag Team Championships, which I think would be a nice thing. And I do see a Shield reunion in the future as well, and like you said, Roman Reigns, after the past couple years he's had, he has definitely, definitely going to need that uh, as far as because of the rough couple years he's had with fan response. And speaking of Roman Reigns, he is firmly entrenched in the main event, and that is a doorway with Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, and also as well Brock Lesnar. Your thoughts on how the match is going to go down and, and your thoughts on who ultimately will become the WWE Raw World Champion. Well, this match, there were a lot of rumors going in of what the main event was going to be. What was the WWE Universal Championship match going to be at SummerSlam? At one point, it was Brock and Braun Strowman was the rumor. At one point, they talked about going to Brock and Roman Reigns in the main event. I mean, uh, That has been rumored to be the main event of next year's WrestleMania in New Orleans, but... As far as the competitors involved, Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar had a great match at the last pay-per-view. It's good to see that he is still in the mix. Braun Strowman, this past year, has been kind of a revelation. He came up to WWE having never really been on NXT television as a wrestler. He had done some spots. He was a part of uh, Adam Rose's uh, Rosebuds. I mean, that's where he got his uh, the majority of his face time. But he came up there with very little experience. He came up to uh, WWE because I think Vince McMahon loves big, strong guys. So Braun Strowman was up there, and he didn't belong there at first, but he has worked very hard, and he is... An entertaining part of the show. He's kind of earned their respect, I would say, at this point. And Braun Strowman could be the guy to take out Brock Lesnar. I don't know if it's going to be here. You mentioned off the top Brock Lesnar um, going back to the UFC. 
I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I see that happening. They talked about how he re-entered himself into. Um, the yes. Of drug bowl? Yeah. Yeah, but there's still some sort of grace period for Brock to be able to go back to UFC, and I don't think that's happening just yet. He is uh, under contract till WrestleMania. I think he's going to see that contract through. So I, I think he may retain here, Brock Lesnar, but Braun Strowman probably has the best shot out of the three of them, out of Braun, Samojo, and Roman Reigns of taking the championship, if, if anyone was to take the championship uh, this Sunday at SummerSlam. I agree with you because I think Braun Strowman still, even with his injury, has come back and actually still very strong in the fans' eyes. And if anybody is going to take the title, it could possibly be that. And it may be due to someone else getting the loss and somehow Brock Lesnar is maybe uh, just shaded out of the title picture, so to speak. Right, right, right. So it gives him uh, impetus to go ahead and go be the challenger once again. He does have to wait, I believe, a year because of the USADA drug testing rules because of, of what he did last time in, in his last MMA bout where he failed a drug test. But I know there is heavy interest for him and a John Jones fight somewhere in the future. So if that's the case, definitely something to look forward to as we uh, head towards the big night SummerSlam this Sunday. Just looking forward to it indeed. And well, I'll tell you what, Mike, I just truly appreciate you being on the show. And I want to make sure everyone out there knows more about the wrestling podcast about nothing. And who better to explain it than the man himself, the host, along with the kingpin, Brian Malonis. It's Mike Crockett, and just let everybody know out there how they can best get a hold of you guys and listen to your great show. Of course. Thanks very much, Gerald. Uh, yeah, so we do two podcasts a week. We do Mondays. It's on the NAI Wrestling Network. It's on their feed, and we do a podcast on Thursdays on BDA Radio. That's on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed. Might be a little confusing, but all you got to do is go to any podcast app and just type in WPAN for Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Both feeds will come up, the NAI Wrestling Network feed and the BDA Radio Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed. You can subscribe to both and join us, and we are on Twitter at the WPAN, Facebook.com slash the WPAN, Instagram, the WPAN. And of course, every Tuesday evening, we are on the podcast radio network happily with the pop culture cosmos and all the great people over there at the uh, podcast radio network. Mike, as always, it's great to talk to you. I hope to get you and Brian on the show again at a point in the future, which is good for you guys. Uh, it's just always great to have you on the show. And once again, all my best to you and Brian on the future with the wrestling podcast about nothing. You too, Gerald. You're killing it over there. The multiverse and the pop culture cosmos doing it all. Uh, we're trying. We're trying indeed. We're just trying to follow in your great footsteps. And uh, we truly appreciate it. And once again, want to thank you, Mike, for being part of the PCC Multiverse. Thanks, Gerald. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being here and listening in on the show. I'll tell you what, it's been another great episode indeed. I want to thank Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pay Dirt Podcast and also as well Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing for joining me on the show. So Josh... I know it's been the talk of the actual movie industry this past few days before the Obi-Wan film confirmation came up. And that was the operation, which is 
called MoviePass. They recently made a reduction in price basically for $10 a month. You can go see one movie each day for the entire month. So what are your thoughts on MoviePass, the $10 a month scenario? And do you think actually it's going to be something that's going to last and something that's going to be accepted by theaters around the country? It's one of those adapt or die situations because as we discussed before, theaters are charging so much money that people aren't going to see movies anymore. And this is directly affecting box office numbers. It certainly is this month, that's for sure. Right. And so with this new movie pass, it, it, it was an inevitability. Like as far as that goes, they're going to have to find new ways of enticing people to movie theaters to spend that extra three or four dollars on popcorn or whatever. If they, I think this will help curve that problem, and it'll also help uh, rejuvenate an interest in going to the movies. I think that movie theaters are gonna have to start banking on making money off concessions. I think that's why they're doing like the, uh, you know, the beer and the uh, recliners and whatnot. So I think that this might be like the formula for the future going forward. I personally like it, and I'm personally very interested in the possibility of getting it. I'm just worried that two, three, four, or five months down the road that will be discontinued via either legal action or just a lack of support funding. If you've got an opinion on the movie pass, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Do you think it's a great deal? Do you think it's too good to be true? Do you think there's going to be too many theater chains, just like AMC, putting up too many roadblocks? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So, for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Guardians of the Geek. I'm Keith. I'm Cameron. And I'm Brandon. Um, This is the podcast where we talk about uh, comic books, movies, all things geek and nerd. Um, so our first episode, we're getting into a couple news items up the front. Then we're going to get into our uh, segment called off the page where we talk about adaptations of comic books to film TV and movie. doesn't matter what kind of film. Um, and then at the end we do a top five segment. So we're really excited about this podcast. You guys want to add anything? Literally so happy to be here. <laughs> I've been waiting for this for a long time. It's a long time coming. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> All right, ringing endorsements from both of you. All right, welcome to the episode. I hope you guys enjoy. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. 
Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. I'm right. ready. Cool. Okay, we're recording whenever you guys Sweet. All right, well, guys, let's get started with some news, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Um, we had some more details released on the new Green Lantern Earth One. Cam, are you pretty excited about this? Uh, yeah, just found out like five minutes ago this is happening. Um, I can, I'm definitely really excited because what they've done with the Earth One universe like so far has been really awesome. I can de- one of my favorites that I'm really excited for Volume Three to come out is uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's Batman Earth One. That uh, that honestly book is so good. And even one of my favorite panels is with Killer Croc on the Batman run. Super good. And uh, two years ago, they announced Wonder Woman Earth One by Grant Morrison. I haven't read it, but I can definitely vouch for it. I've heard it is so good, and especially with all the Wonder Woman news that's been coming up, it is. Or it, it's even it's an even bigger deal now. So the fact they got Green Lantern on this is awesome. Yeah, we got uh, some more news from BoundingtonComics.com. BoundingIntoComics.com. Um, the graphic novels uh, in the DC Comics Earth One line, Green Lantern Earth One, is going to be written by Karina Becco and Gabriel Hardman. Uh, they said the book will see Hal Jordan revamped as a scientist and astronaut who finds a power ring and sets off to restore the Green Lantern Corps, which were long ago extinguished by the Manhunters. Sounds pretty cool. Dang, that almost has like a Fantastic Four kind of vibe to it. A little bit, huh? Yeah, it's like Journey into Space. Like, yeah. well, and I, it's interesting because you see, um, especially this is movie, on the movie side, you see the success of things like Guardians of the Galaxy. You wonder mm-hmm. if DC's trying to push more of that mm, kind yeah. of space travel stuff. Yeah, for sure. To try to tap into that. But, I mean, again, the one of the criticisms of the DC side is it's often darker. So I wonder if they're yeah. going to add some levity to that. Who knows? And honestly, it's always a big hard sell on the cosmic e cosmic books. I think that's why Dr. Strange was such kind of a surprise success. Uh, and that's, and that's kind of where fantastic Four, the, the Josh Trank version kind of fell short is because they, they pushed too hard on interdimensional kind of stuff. And so, uh, it's really, co- and the third act was awful. Like I, I, I was looking at one of my favorite podcasts, and they, were, they said they walked out. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, Brandon and I saw it together, and we kind of looked over at each other as soon as like, it seemed like it was ending. We just kind of looked at each other like, that's it? I was like, <laughs> that was, yeah. Like, Miles Teller, I'm a huge fan of, too. I know, so I'm too. really like, and, and then Michael B. Jordan. And Kate, Ma- like, Lee yeah, Cast right. was on point, and uh, yeah, it's sad. Right. That happened, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, for people that, that don't wait, know... Wait, one, one, sorry, one quick. That was actually Bleeding Cool, not Bounding in the Comics. Oh, got it. Sorry. We just want to make sure we yeah, attribute it right. Source. So Bleeding no. Cool was the, the source for the Green Lantern stuff. Uh, but for people that don't know, what's the premise of the of Earth-1 storylines? Um, very similar to the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Uh, it, it's a revamp, a more modern take, and they change several aspects uh, of the characters. And they're not fundamental aspects, but you find them to be uh, bigger, more interesting storytelling points. Like from the Batman one, it starts off, and one of the biggest points that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank uh, make is that his cowl, uh, it, it's, it's his eyes are wider. 
and they show his eyes so you can see more emotion, which is really interesting because usually with Batman you just get the, the, the white triangles and they really go out of their way not to do that. Uh, another example is this is where the first time I think you see Alfred not as the butler, he was a personal security guard for the Waynes and that's the man who ends up raising Bruce. And so he's way more of a brute, which is pretty, pretty interesting. You see yeah. a lot more interesting storytellings. Uh, Killer Croc in one of his moments becomes, uh, he's literally an urban myth who's afraid of Batman. He's like, I just want people to leave me alone. Like, mm. I'm just, I'm doing my own thing. And so uh, there's also a great, great panel where Commissioner Gordon, like Batman's terrible at his job, unlike the Frank Miller year one Batman where he's, he's just in the midst of it and has it all figured out. Batman's stumbling. And there's a great panel where Commissioner Gordon says, uh, uh, you're stepping on evidence. <laughs> and, and, and then Batman's like, uh, sorry. And then Commissioner Gordon says, you're not much of a detective, are you? And so... Wait, so you said it doesn't change a fundamental aspect, but isn't one of the original fundamental aspects is he's the greatest detective in the world? Yeah. Well, I said, it, it doesn't change like super fundamental. Like Alfred being the butler then to a bodyguard makes right. sense. But um, then you, you find out later that they do become more fundamental because it, it, you're it. right. He, he, Batman way more along the lines like stumbles upon uh, his cases than he does like research and detect them. So he's less of a Sherlock Holmes type in this one. Yeah. He'll yeah. become a better detective, mm-hmm. but he's not starting out that way. It's, it's a journey. Yeah. Okay. And it, okay. yeah, it's really good. And then Wonder Woman, I, I honestly couldn't even tell you the Grant Morrison changes, but Grant Morrison is, is wild. So, well, the other thing I'm noticing here on this, on the article from the, for the Green Lantern Earth one is that it seems like there's going to be a little bit more interaction with the Manhunters? So I wonder if Martian Manhunter will become a bigger... Manhunters are a little different okay. than Martian Manhunter. Uh, he's from Mars, but uh, as far as I can recall, because I haven't read the Jeff Johns run, and mm-hmm. his run on Green Lantern really is, uh, sealed him as one of the best best writers DC has. Uh, the Manhunters are like, they have like white faces and red like bodies. They're okay. kind of weird looking, and I really have not read too much Green Lantern. Okay. So Martian Manhunters. I'm sorry, for all different. of you who are screaming into the your phone or whatever, <laughs> Brandon and I are less well-versed on <laughs> comics than Cameron. Oh, uh, so. we're not human encyclopedias. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They also have girlfriends, so. <laughs> wives. Yeah, we wives. actually have wives. <laughs> we have wives, yeah. Case in point. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to talk about Green Arrow, how it's boy. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, we had an announcement this week that David Tennant is going to appear in season two of Jessica Jones. I'm actually really excited about this. I love yeah. David Tennant as an actor. Um, his Doctor Who was amazing. Um, and uh, going a little on the nerdier, my uh, era of nerdy, area of nerdy, he was a great Hamlet. Um, so I'm excited about this. Yes. Uh, and his character in the first episode of Jessica Jones, like every time I was watching it and he was in the scene or in the in the episode, I was just like, my, I had anxiety because you oh, knew really? like what he would do is just so, just so messed up. Especially with like the, that, um, the, the amazing part with that season where uh, it was like episode four, or, like mid season where she captures him, puts him in the cage and you really start to feel bad for him, which is a tone with a villain that I think is so unique yeah. in that show, but also in the comic book culture where it's like, oh my gosh, she's treating this dude like an animal. Right. And it is in response to how obviously everything they went right. through, but it was just, that that's how well he did. And that's yeah. how well he sold the character. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, it's been a while since I've watched it, but did they, they did some backstory on him that I felt like humanized him a little bit more until, until the end of the twist where it, 
I don't know. It's really tough to get a read on his character because really? he can manipulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you do and feel sympathy, cool. but then you're like, did he just make all that up? Hundred percent. So I'm excited about that. And I'm really yeah. not even well versed on the Purple Man, who is just who he was. Right. So. I'm not either. I like I. <laughs> this is the one. Um, well, the, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But the the whole Defenders run where we're leading up to it. Like have been great, but this is the one that was just I thought it was just excellent. Yeah, the yeah. Jessica Jones. Because of, of its it didn't fall into the traditional like superhero um trope a yeah. lot of the ways. Like it you know, obviously dealt with some pretty tough issues, but it was written like a real TV show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and yeah. that's what I've liked about the Netflix series is that they're written more as real TV shows, less as like each episode, and and I mean, you go back to like the original Batman in the '60s, yeah. which was great, but yeah. like it was a s- different type. You know right. what I mean? It's like a, it's a single episode. It's just like a madcap. It's just a it's just a fun romp. Mm-hmm. And then, but then you have the Netflix ones that are a little bit different. So yeah, I've enjoyed them. I'm curious what capacity he's going to be in it, though. I mean, if he's going to be it for the whole run, is yeah. he just like this kind of flashback, like dark figure That's for Jessica Jones? Like, yeah. I, I, I'm curious what capacity. Yeah, because it does say here. I'm just reading it. And we were talking about this right before we started recording that. He was, um, she did kill him at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder what will happen. If it'll be in flashbacks or if it'll be, if as as it is with all comic books, he's not dead because they're never dead. Yeah. Right, honestly. (laughs) Well, yes and no, because you mean with, uh, what you're saying about that that show, I think is so accurate too. And the fact that it's not your normal superhero show, it's really uh, on the more side of hard boiled detective. Right. And uh, the whole alias investigations thing, it's mm-hmm. really cool that they've done with her. Um, and and Purple Man was actually a character who gained who gained way more credibility as he moved on because he was a I think issue within the first five issues of Daredevil was his first appearance, and. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, like he does with all of the all the characters he touches, honestly, with Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, um, he did that with Jessica Jones and the Purple Man. He really gave them a redeeming quality of their character, and what he's done with, with Purple Man and her is insane. And so it's so cool to see them using his material. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, the next tidbit is uh, Sony gave us a release date for the Spider-Man spinoff, Silver and Black. Um, The story will star Spider-Man characters, Silver Sable and Black Cat. Uh, It will be directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. Is that right? Yeah. It joins uh, Sony's Venom, starring Tom Hardy, which will be released just four months earlier in October 2018. So that's like a busy quarter there for Sony. I didn't know Venom, Tom Hardy was starting in Venom. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. That's That's like within the last two months. Oh, such a good move, but it really bums me out, too, because Hugh Jackman said if he could have any successor for Wolverine, it would be Tom Tom Hardy. Hardy. Mm. That actually would have made a lot of sense, too. Yeah, seriously. And so it's um, it's a win, you know what I mean, no matter what. The whole Sony thing, it gets me nervous, too, because I think DC had this problem, and even I think Marvel stumbled into it a couple times, uh, they get overambitious with their uh, titles that come out. And, I mean, if the first one flops, then the second one, and, and luckily for DC, Wonder Woman really came through with uh, yeah. the response that it had to Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. Wonder Woman really just delivered in all areas it needed to. But with Sony, they've they've run into that problem before, where they set up for Sinister Six and, and Spider- Amazing Spider-Man Two, and they put a lot of eggs in that yep. basket, and it fell short. Which is, yeah, it just gets me nervous as a fan because my hopes get up, get really high, and then they sell the character to uh, to Marvel Studios. But you right. know, 
Right. I, what, I mean, I don't know much about these two characters, um, but what I am excited about, I mean, again, I, I see what you're saying with the nervousness, but what I am excited about is with the success of Wonder Woman, um, that it seems that, and, and there's been a bigger trend in this in comic books for a couple mm-hmm. of years, few years, but it seems like we're pushing more towards like either uh, all female like leads and production yeah. team because it says it's yeah it's a, it's going to be directed by a, a woman too and so I'm excited about uh, allowing other voices to take over 100%. some of these Marvel movies and Marvel properties in on different levels like whether it's TV or, or big screen or whatever or even in the books yeah um, I'm just I'm excited for that because it's been such a, a boys club for so long seriously seriously um, I mean again we're sitting at a table with three guys talking about comics but it's it's I'm excited to see what we can get from these types of stories and with the success of all the other mm-hmm. TV shows it seems like you can do more of this even if they don't even if yeah. it doesn't do as yeah. well if it's a TV it's a TV show no it's a film it's a film yeah oh, okay it seems like maybe they should consider pushing more towards not this whatever about Silver and Black and, and Venom but like it seems like even Sony could possibly take some of these to, the TV, to TV and it might succeed as well. So. 100%. You're seeing that with X-Men too yeah. all over the place with uh, what, what is it Gifted Gifted and, and Legion, Legion. And in, well in humans is not X-Men but yeah but still like uh, and I think I think I totally agree with you on the point where you're having new voices uh, direct and, and produce these stories uh, because you have Black Panther which right. is coming up and there's an African American director for that which I'm really excited and, about yeah re- in that movie oh my gosh so good looks so good Every PS, I feel like Marvel just has a contract with Run the Jewels because <laughs> in Luke Cage, Iron Fist, yeah. and now Black Panther, all of their songs have been used in the trailers, which I'm like, awesome, because I love Run the Jewels. But anyways, uh, you're seeing um, a shift, and in, in even in the writing, too, you're letting African-American writers write mm-hmm. for African-American heroes. And you're seeing, um, with the exception of Brian Michael Bendis and Miles Morales, pick up that book. It's so good. But... Uh, you're seeing Patty Jenkins direct Wonder Woman and right. all of these. You're giving the credibility uh, and the the voice to those who usually have not had it, which right. is super cool. Which is funny, and we'll probably talk about this on other episodes. Um, and Cameron, I know you and I have talked about mm-hmm. this before in the past, but about how comics pretty quickly became a place for that, for yeah. voices to come through. And especially if you want to look at the historically, especially in the sort of the reboot of the X-Men, 100%. the second original, like the original team and then the second team where you have people oh. like Storm and Colossus yeah. and Wolverine and all those guys that are all like international and people of color and women and men and all, like all the different sort yeah. of variations you can have. Yeah. Um, so we see that and that's, uh, comic books have become that way. Um, and there's obviously this tension between the reading audience and the people who produce them, which again we'll get into in future episodes, yeah. but... I'm excited that the the sort of the, the Hollywood versions of these are starting to embrace that history. Mm-hmm. And especially with two, I love the fact that we're getting a silver and black, a, a silver sable and black cat, which is we, are, we also have to pay attention to the comic book uh, platinum age we are living in where right. we never thought we'd see these characters mm-hmm. in, in, in film at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, nobody was really asking for this, right? Like it. Uh, aside from I, camera. Right. <laughs> well, no, it's not. No, I would say that these are probably not ones that mm-hmm. people are like, aware of or like you know saying like oh we need this one but I'm glad that the student I mean again whatever reservations we have about Sony I'm glad that they're willing to take the risk oh for sure it's yeah they only have so many characters that Sony themselves can pull from Mm -hmm. right because they only have so many they only have so many 
properties, all, right? All the Spider-Man characters. They have the Spider-Man and then the X-Men, right? No, that's Fox. That's Fox, that's yeah. Fox. Um, but the cool part about Sony is that, um, was it with these, with these characters, it's like, it get, now, because this is the thing, too, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie that we saw, um, that team was created in Annihilation Conquest in 2008. Like, right. the Groot, Rocket Raccoon, Star-Lord, Gamora team that we saw in that movie, um, all of those were started in 2008. And even Miles Morales, who had a callback in Spider-Man Homecoming, he started in 2008. So these are characters that yeah. we didn't even know we'd like. And right. now we're seeing them. And, and like, how many people did, went up to you guys or told you, oh, I knew nothing about Wonder Woman until that movie. Right. But now I'm hearing people say, oh, she's my person. And right. I'm, like, right. yeah. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, that's so a good point. It's, it's, it's cool to see yeah. these voices being shared. And now, like... It's also letting letting people, audience members who have no idea about comics, into right. our world and why we find these characters so special. Mm-hmm. Like Harley Quinn last year was the number one Halloween costume right. of any, which is just like, oh my gosh. Right. right. I mean, that's again. There's there's a broader, certainly a broader trend in the last decade of nerd and geek culture becoming yeah. certainly more popular where it's almost to the point where it's become the popular culture. I mean, I know it's always been pop culture, but it's now like the dominant pop culture, comic books and, and, um, you know, even with the revival of things like Star Wars and all these other, and the Star Trek movies and all that, where we're seeing some ones that our parents back in the day, if you liked them, you were sort of on the fringe. (laughs) And now it's almost the opposite, where if you don't like them, Mm -hmm. you're kind of on the fringe. Seriously, seriously. Um, But I mean, even that the idea of the minor character, the the slightly less well-known character, has been sort of the foundation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because it it really launched with Iron Man. And it's not that Iron Man wasn't a, he was more of a second, I would say probably a second (laughs) tier of the Marvel Universe. I mean, I always loved Iron Man, but but even that, like, and, and that was obviously on the power of Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, oh, but, sure. but this idea that, he, that it kind of kicked off with that. So I'm glad that that's kind of, that's been the, the trend, and I hopefully it continues to be the trend going yeah, forward. Yeah, 100%, because nobody was comparing, I, or at least I don't recall, I was in eighth grade when that first movie came out, but I, I never recall anyone. <laughs> I was a year out of college by the time <laughs> <laughs> that movie came out, so that but, tells you that. But... I would never, I don't ever remember hearing conversations comparing Iron Man to Batman before right. that movie came out. And so obviously you're totally right in all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's it for news. So let's, uh, I want to move on to this week's edition of Off the Page. Frank here from Super BS. Talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. All right, welcome back. We uh, are going to start our segment off the page. since this is our first one, we'll just give you a little bit of what we're going to be doing with this each uh, episode. Um, every episode, we're going to take an upcoming or a just-released uh, you know, film or TV version of a comic book, and we're going to talk about how it was adapted and what we thought about its sort of the film or the TV show or whatever. Um, so we're just going to do that each time. We're going to take one that either just came out or is coming out soon. This week we're going to start, our first one will be about The Defenders, and that's coming out this Friday. Um, The Defenders is the Netflix sort of 
culmination of the, the four individual heroes, and that's Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. So it's, if you will, it's like the Netflix version of Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. And that's coming out this Friday. Uh, and so I think all of us have been watching, keeping track of those. We've been watching the, uh, the Netflix shows. We've enjoyed them, but we just have a, we just kind of want to talk about um, each one of the, either that we'll talk about the, the past seasons and what we are anticipating, what we're looking forward to for uh, the, um, the upcoming series. So I think we'll start with, uh, let's each go around and just say what was our, of the Defenders leading up series, uh, seasons, what was our favorite superhero or what was our favorite season? We'll talk about that. We'll do it that way. Right uh, 100% Luke Cage. Okay. Uh, just like... Awesome. The, it had something that no other superhero show movie had like had before. Yeah. It was that, and it was that like soulful side of things. It was. But, like all those scenes in the nightclub, like the music scenes Ooh. that they had were just amazing. They were. And it set the tone for the entire episode or show. I love Luke Cage so much. Jessica Jones, close second, because that first episode in the elevator still like gave me chills. Like it was crazy. Um, Cameron, my, you go next. Oh, sorry. My second or my favorite was specifically Daredevil season two. Um, I'm a huge, huge Batman fan, and so obviously reading Dark Knight Returns, uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janson classic, one of the best comic book writing teams of all time. Uh, they they got offered that book because of the work they'd done on Daredevil. And I knew uh, Daredevil was going to be based on, the Netflix show was going to be based on Man Without Fear. So I picked that up. Frank Miller, John Romita Jr. book was amazing. And it, it it's panel for panel inspired by uh, that, straight up the costume. That his, his first season costume was the Man Without Fear costume. Uh, but then also season two of Daredevil was probably one of my favorite runs ever because it has callbacks to Elektra and Punisher, which is the whole original run of Frank Miller's Daredevil, which is one of my favorite comic series of all time ever. So, and that's, that means a lot to me to say. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I would say, I don't know. It's a hard, so I'm going to, I'll say Jessica Jones cause I really did enjoy Jessica Jones. I thought it was brilliantly written, brilliantly acted. Um, as I said uh, before with David Tennant as Kilgrave, Mr. Purple, but also, um, Kristen Ritter, just, Oh, just killed it as Jessica Jones. Um, I will say the other one that I did enjoy. So the the storyline, the the acting, the just the even the cinematography, the coloring of it just made the whole um, the whole season brilliant. And that ending, that end game where they're like in that I don't know what they call it, but that the essentially room with the glass and like yeah. the parents come in. And right. yeah. Just that whole is just was so tense. I was just it, it gave me heart palpitations the whole time through. I was just like. Ah, it's so, so much. Um, I will say just a shout out to um, Daredevil season one as setting the tone for the Netflix 100%. runs. Like if it weren't for Daredevil, yeah. if it wasn't as good as it was, which I'm not saying it's the best of all the seasons or whatever, but if it wasn't, if it weren't as good as it was, this, the rest of it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Daredevil, like Daredevil set the tone for what Netflix could do with the Marvel characters. And I thought it, just the visceral nature yeah. of that, like even the fight scenes, and even just the the way that they mind sort of what would be the psychological side of all of these characters, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So Daredevil, um, Matthew Murdoch's sort of struggle to be a lawyer, to keep friends, like yeah. to date, like all that sort of stuff, and then it carries through through the rest of them. Um, and really that's been, I think, the common thread that I've enjoyed in the Netflix series. Yeah, and let's just get this out there. Iron Fist didn't suck. 
Yeah, let's. Yeah, <laughs> Thank for sure. You. No, it's. <laughs> I mean, it was my least. That. I would say it's my least favorite of the four. Yeah, but I'm. It did. It wasn't bad. Right. It was still great. I think it got way too much flack. Right. I. The reason I thought it, part of it was, and you can talk about this yeah. in terms of Cameron. You can talk about this in terms of like the Arrowverse on the CW. Yeah. But it, it reminded me a lot of the the first initial season of Arrow with yeah. Oliver Queen coming back, and like mm-hmm. suddenly he's a expert archer and all that. And same same thing with. Um, Danny Rand, where he's just like he comes back and he's been missing. They think he's mm-hmm. dead and all that. And right. I, I just were some very similar plot lines. Yeah, I mean they're comic books, so yeah, they're similar plot lines. But that's the only reason why I thought it, it's my right. least favorite. He just said, "Save this city like ten thousand less times." <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. same show. It was it was more just like get my parents' company back. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what that's what Danny Rand was this interested city. in. Oh my gosh, that's uh, so funny. But yeah, but I mean, so it was. I mean, and again, whatever the controversy of having you know you know, Asian cultural appropriation or anything like that. Like we can talk through that. But, and, and the other criticism that I thought was weird was the fight scenes uh, in oh, Iron Fist, which I did. Yeah. yeah. Cause they were just different. They're yeah. more fluid. They're a little bit more elegant than daredevil punching his way through. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell's kitchen. What is it? Oh man. The stair sequences <laughs> in daredevil are just yeah. ridiculous. But I mean, like the drunk, but see the, one of my favorite fight scenes in the whole, all four was the drunken master fight in yeah, Iron yeah, Fist yeah. was just, I thought it was brilliant. 100%. So, yeah. Or the, the, the Punisher jail fight. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you have you seen that yet? Gruesome. No. Oh. I don't think I've seen the jail oh, fight. Oh, dude, that was season so two of Daredevil is amazing. No, I haven't finished it yet. I, for me, that literally, was, out of oh. any of those shows, that is the peak, but also just because it's, it's Frank Miller. And can we just, before we get into the Defenders, we're all super excited for the Punisher series with John oh, Bernthal, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, good. Blessings. All right. 100%. Um, well, for, for, for Iron Fist, foundationally, I think that show is kind of set up at a loss because, because of the race right. issues. And uh, Josh, our sound guy, has just done uh, – he, he read The Immortal Iron Fist Run and, by Ed Brubaker. And uh, I haven't read it yet, but he says it's, – it's interesting because so many people – and I'm all for diversity in, in the universes. Like, like Zendaya becoming Mary Jane Watson – I, I had a narrative in my in my head back and forth, and I ended up being for it because I think that's just so cool. Uh, but the whole theme of Iron Fist that Josh says is the white man trying to insert himself into the yellow narrative and being cast as an outsider, which is a unique plot point. Right. And so when fans are getting all upset and uh, because he, they didn't use this opportunity to cast a, a, an, an Asian actor, it's like, come on. You know? Well, and I thought that it was interesting that I don't know if this is in the original run of like a, of the setup of the character, but there was some underlying, um, not subtle, but under like a, an undertone of the fact that Danny Rand came into this monastery and stole the yeah. Iron Fist from mm-hmm. what could have been the rightful, mm-hmm. you know, whoever heir to it, whatever exactly. it was. Like yeah, yeah. so, like he was an outsider who came in and kind of stole that from this culture and then left I mean this was really the under this was one of the major themes is like he left Kung Lao Kung Lung Kung Lung sorry um, that's, I was playing I was, no, I was playing Mortal Kombat I was, I was playing Mortal Kombat and it's, uh, one of the characters is I think something like that at Kung Lao anyway yeah. Um, but yeah so he, he left to go back and like basically as we talk about try to get his parents company back and it's like dude, you were supposed to defend this place. Like, right, this right. is a really important place in our world, and you just left because you were some, you know, essentially spoiled rich kid. Yeah. And, like, thought you could. So it's like, come on, man. Yeah, like, cool. So I think there was some of that. 
addressed in the series. Um, but I guess going back to the Iron Fist dare, or Arrow comparison, yeah, and I'd even I'd even point back to you, Keith, because the whole narrative of uh, a, a hero going off on his quest to discover yeah. who he is and then coming back home to realize it's not it's not wh- how he left it. That's that's the Odyssey. And well, yeah. I mean, this is for sure. I mean, this is why when we think about plots in Iron in comics, you can't get too upset if they repeat because essentially they are all. And this is going to be Keith nerding out for a minute. Yeah. They're all archetypes. They're all um, heroes quest archetypes. It's about it's about uh, someone like you said going out. Uh, they're on a quest. They have a helper. They have yeah. an obstacle. They, I mean, it's very, very standard storytelling. Yeah. The point, I, I, from what I've always felt with comics, is less about the, the originality of the storyline, the plot, mm. and mm. more about the characters themselves. Because yeah. the characters are unique, right? There aren't, they're, you know, you look through history, yeah, you have the old, like, demigods and all the... Yeah, the but none of them could, like, shoot lasers out of their eyes. <laughs> so it's like... So there are some unique features that they're trying to explore, and like, what would this be to be a human who does have the immortal iron fist yeah. and has to deal with that responsibility? Or, I mean, going back to very the, the classic Spider-Man line, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. So, how do you deal with that? You are literally, again, not to go on this, but you are literally a Superman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what do you do with that? And I think that's the that's what it's less the plot. I will just say that I mean, what I said that was just why it was the least of the yeah, four series, yeah. but I, I mean, all of them, all of them have elements of that idea of, of the overcoming the obstacle and 100%. trying to become the, the, the hero. So. And yeah, but going back to the arrow, uh, my, you know, the, the only objection I really have to the Netflix and I'll probably get chewed out for this series is, is, uh, that I think they take too long to get to the point. They're 13 mm-hmm. episode seasons, and yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm a major fan of like make it nine episodes. Yeah, they could all be ten. And they, they for sure. Yeah. But because they take so long, and 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 a lot of people object to the CW Arrow shows because of this factor. But um, I love that they do those filler episodes where they fight King Shark, and it takes them longer to <laughs> right. get to the yeah. you mean the end game of you mean uh, Flash and Savitar and and Arrow and Prometheus, right, um, right. but half the fun of those series in, in, in themselves is the fact that, oh my gosh, Arrow just, just, just met the, the, the dark archer Merlin or right. him and Huntress just had a thing. And right. for me, just to see those characters come to life is half the fun. Right. And you, you almost sacrifice that on the Netflix shows, which is pursuing the one purple man or, or the right. one. Yeah. Well, and they're much more, I, I would say the, the, Netflix ones are much more traditional, like cinematic storylines. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the Arrowverse is much more TV driven, like that yeah. old Batman. Like, 100%. It's, it's the, or with the, 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 it's like the bad guy of the week or the monster of the week. Like, yeah. it's more of that, where like you can have one off episodes and it doesn't hurt the overall storyline. Mm-hmm. But when you have, like, they don't know if they were going to do, or uh, a second Daredevil or whatever, or if you're yeah, building yeah. up to the Defenders, right. then you, yeah, I agree with you though, like 13 episodes is too long. You yeah. Just make it 10 get the story out and then set up the next thing. Yeah. And other, and if, it, if they didn't have those fillers, then it's just which, which fast guy is flash fighting today. Right. right it's like honestly. every season is By the grace of God. That's not going to be the case with the new season. Right. Yeah, so. And, uh, and sure. so kind of leading up to, I'm, I have my concerns about the defenders, right? Cause I mean, 
these big casts, these amazing casts kind of yeah. coming and sharing mm-hmm. one space makes me a little nervous. I mean, we saw how Suicide Squad turned out. Oh, my God. And I know that this is different because they all kind of have their own separate introductions and you right. can kind of hit the ground running. But it still makes me nervous about all of these separate like storylines kind of leading to one place. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying because the one thing I will say about the Netflix films is like the, the bad guys, with the exception of Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. have been very ambiguous, right? 100%. So I, I, I imagine that this, because this has been the through line through all of them, is like is the hand and that whatever they're doing yeah. like in New York. Um, but as long, for me, what I've enjoyed is because this is the problem that's plaguing the Marvel movies. It's going to come up mm-hmm. so, as soon as like, once you're done with Thanos, who's next, right? Oh, my gosh. So it's like keep, yeah. keeping it small and keeping it character-driven in the Netflix shows. I think if they can do that, because each of the characters have shown up in at least one other series. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the helpful thing where now we can say, oh, now that they're sort of fully meeting, you still have the same individual issues. And as long as you can deal with those, because then it's really just a four-lead It's a four-lead series instead of a maybe a two-lead series, which they've been in the past, right? Right. The only the unfortunate thing is that I'll be more upset at is if they don't do well, don't serve the other minor characters like Foggy, like um, Night Nurse. That's the concern, right? It's right. Like, yeah, they're yeah, going to sprinkle like, the, all those. Those are going to so. those are going to be gone, and it's just going to be on the main four. Um, which I would only be okay with if the main four is just the defenders, and then they continue exploring those other relationships in the other series. Um, but I am excited. As I'm excited for the defenders to um, because I think I, I want to see how they all interact. Right. It's almost like, right. A, I, it's going to seem like a weird comparison, but it's almost going to be like a, a dark superhero, like version of friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where, where they're like, Good. No, you're right. like where like they're, they're all contemporaries. They're all, because the weird thing about the Avengers is like, you kind of have to throw these, these big hitters in Seriously. and it's weird. But like with these, they they kind of and this is in the trailer. Like they kind of need each other to help each other because in every single one of these instances, you've seen each one of them get overwhelmed, right? Whereas yeah. like yeah, you kind of saw Iron Man get overwhelmed for half a second, Captain America, Thor, Hulk. But like when they came together, they kind of when they fought together, it wasn't as much a collaboration. It's like everybody, you go there, you go there, you go there. Yeah. Where it's like in the fight scene that you see in the trailer for the Defenders. You know, Luke Cage has to protect. You know, like Luke Cage is is in the forefront. Jessica Jones is throwing people around. Daredevil has to like mm-hmm. kind of keep himself in oriented to the fight. And you know, it's like, and then Iron Fist can't just run off and do whatever he wants. Like they have to learn to fight together because they aren't. They're more human heroes. Hundred percent. And the the budget makes them a little more human. Yeah, too, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> of course, of course. Cameron, yeah. um, yeah. what are you excited for with the Defenders? Uh, number one, like, just, it's it's always cool to see your heroes team up, and uh, I really love the universe that they've set up, and I love the hand. Actually, one of the biggest points I'm really most excited for is is what you're saying to uh, about the minor characters teaming up because how cool is it? Because it's all about the resurrection of Electra too. Right. Um, how cool is it going to be to see um, Jessica Jones talk to Elektra and fight the hand mm-hmm. when yeah. she she's so powerful. And then you have uh, Luke Cage who's coming in to a ninja movie where he's like, <laughs> I don't even what am I going to do with myself, you know? Uh, and the Iron Fist thing with the hand has been set up really nicely too. Right. So it's going to be see him. It's going to be really cool to see Finn Jones 
get really personal right. with who he's fighting. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's probably one of the big ones. Uh, but even with the defenders, I think it's re- it's gonna be really interesting too to see this take because I was looking it up earlier, and the original defenders team is Hulk, Doctor Strange, Namor, and Silver Surfer. Yeah, and yeah. that's Roy Thomas in 1971. So it's gonna be really crazy to see this new team because I the only comic iteration I've seen them in is the one that they've made recently to complement the TV show. Right. Those are two like very different specialties for those groups. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, and I'm actually I, the one thing I've appreciated with the Netflix films, uh, the Netflix series, is that they are still connected to the cinematic universe, and mm-hmm. you see the aftermath 100%. of the Avengers. Yes. So, you, like, mm-hmm. you see what's happened when you introduce those big picture thing elements into the little picture of like Harlem, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Manhattan, like all like you know, yeah. downtown Manhattan, all that. Like you see the different what's what's gonna happen. And so the fact that they're really they're not interested in the cosmic, they're not interested in the global, they're not they're interested in let's save we literally have to save New York, not humanity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's what keep as long as they can kind of do that and keep it grounded to that, I think it'll serve the, the team well. Yeah. Also a major a major one that you just got me thinking about with the with the side characters being introduced is uh, we're going to see Misty Knight and uh, mm. I'm forgetting Iron Fist's girlfriend. It's, it's they're going to be um, the, 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 the daughters of the dragon. Da- daughter of the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Cause you I mean, you have the heroes for hire, but then also they're uh, Colleen Wink. Colleen Wink. Thank yeah. you so much. You're going to see them interact. And at the end of Luke Cage, you see Misty Knight go and, and she sees a flyer for Colleen Wing right. karate training. And yeah. so, Obviously, then we see that theme echoed in Iron Fist, and so to see those two interact, and you know, we mean context, contextually wise as a fan, going in to see that, that is going to be so cool to well, see them interact. And also, uh, I want to say Night Nurse, is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's been in all of them, too. Like Claire. 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 Rosario well, Dawson. that's her, yeah. Rosario Dawson's character, like, has been through it, so that's interesting to see how they're all going to interact, so... Yeah, I'm. I mean, obviously, I'm excited for all those things and all these storylines coming together. But I'm really excited to see Sigourney Weaver as the villain. Like, really? That's yeah, gonna yeah, be, yeah. That's going to take me back, right? To like alien based <laughs> stuff. Like, I'm really excited the to holes. see <laughs> how badass she is. Yeah, she's she's such a cool pick too. Like, she's a strong strong woman. You know I mean villain, which is obvious. Like, even thinking now, that's not something yeah. we see. And I'm glad that they're using her in a. TV in the small screen versions because yeah. like they've had a lot and it's great like Kate, like Kate Blanchett and a lot of other really great female actors have come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe I'm so I'm sorry. glad they're going to use like a pretty heavy hitter in the in the smaller screens to try to reach more audiences and, and all that awesome. so this Friday yeah Friday so we'll probably at some point in a future episode at least talk about what we thought about it Saves, <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll give yeah. you a week or two before we yeah. spoil it all right all right, so that was uh, Off the Page. Up next, we're going to be coming into our top five segment. Hey, everyone. Venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. 
All right, so we'll kind of close things out with a little bit of discussion and opinions. Uh, so this week we're going to do our top, my top five superhero shows. And uh, basically I'm just going to give my opinions and watch Cameron get triggered on the other side <laughs> of the table. So let's get started with my number five, which is Gotham. Oh my gosh. <laughs> God awful. Are we waiting for you to finish before Cam no, jumps in? No, yeah, go ahead, chime in on, do you think I, Gotham should be higher or lower? Cam, you're up. Um, I haven't seen Gotham, so I don't know. I, I, uh, before I even respond, I want to hear why it's your favorite and maybe later object. Uh, honestly, I put it as five because I figured you'd have a big I opinion honestly, about it. Literally, I read a quote, and I think this quote sums up Gotham perfectly. It is, they don't know whether it's the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight universe or the Joel Schumacher Batmans because it is a healthy medium between the two, and they've veered so far off the comics that I just can't even. Okay. All right. All right. Can't even. Uh, number four <laughs> is Young Justice. Oh, oh! I should have put that on my list. <laughs> Great. Oh, season are they, three. Are they coming out with the season three? Yeah, right? yeah. 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 It's going to be Young Justice Outsiders, which is so cool. Is it the best animated series out there? No. What is it? What, what's the best animated series? Superhero? Uh, or? Not, oh, Batman the animated series. Bruce Tim, Paul Dini. It is everything. Is it the best current animated series? Oh, that one, best one coming out right now. Absolutely. I yes. And the voice actors they have, voice talents, and what they've done with the characters is so amazing. I love that show. Okay, great. Uh, number three for me is The Flash. Great, I love that show. It's like my favorite show to watch weekly, so you're good. Okay. Uh, second is Jessica Jones. Eh. Eh? Jessica Jones is my favorite, but, like, I love her. I, like, I, I love what she's done in The Defenders and stuff, but that, that show was... Because the 13 episode seasons and just kind of how long they build up the suspense, it was just like when she like snapped Kilgrave's neck, I literally said like, thank God, like this is over. <laughs> you know, I had to convince myself to last the watch or <laughs> watch the last 30 minutes of that show because I just couldn't, I was like, I'm over this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about the complete opposite you could be of The Flash, which is like the 100%. most upbeat like, show that I watch probably I and then the going Flash. to... Uh, you know, killing your family in an elevator. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then number one we touched about is Luke Cage for me. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. That one dragged on. And the only objection I have to Luke Cage, and I love this show, I think episode three was probably like the, my favorite episode of that entire Netflix TV series when it ends with Cottonmouth freaking blowing up the restaurant he's in. I just thought that was amazing. Uh, but the fact that they built so far up to Cottonmouth and like this guy's huge, then they kill him off mid-season, and they have was who's the final villain that show? Uh, Diamondback. S. Diamondback, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Diamondback sneaks in. Oh, we're brothers. I'm like, come on, be cool. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, that plot twist didn't do it for me. Like yeah. that, I was. Yeah. But yeah, never watch Gotham. Wait, so, so if you were to give us a top five, what would yours be? Okay. Um, number one. This is, these are TV shows, right? Bruce Tim, Yeah, yeah. Bruce Tim, um, Paul Dini, Batman the Animated Series. I personally like the new Adventures of Batman first, where they revamped all the characters for season four. That show is my favorite ever. I think the Batman, Superman, World's Finest team is, or episodes, three-episode run, where Lex Luthor and Joker team up and Batman Superman team up. That is one of the... I, if they did made the Batman v Superman movie off of that, I would have just been perfect. Uh, number two, Flash season one, because I love season one. It's, it's Jeff Johns and... 
and Ethan Van Skyver's run of The Last Rebirth, which I just my favorite, favorite, favorite. Every every week, I was waiting for the the post credit scene where you're just like, "Who is Harrison Wells?" I remember. Leave it to Cameron to like go into the season specifics. Oh, I lay out season specific. Um, three Daredevil season two because Frank Miller. Um, then fourth, I put Justice League and Avengers, but I'm gonna like cancel that out for Young Justice, <laughs> yes. especially Young Justice season two because yes. so so great. Wally West, R.I.P. Um, and then five, randomly enough, is Spectacular Spider-Man. Because okay. I thought, I think his name's Josh Keaton, who did The Voice. I thought he did great. I thought uh, the whole Norman Osborn, Harry Osborn relationship dynamic was amazing on that show. And it was really just like a true Spider-Man personality. It was fun. And it ended too soon. So, yeah, that was good. All right. All right. So that was our top five. Coming up is uh, Cam Reed's Comics. <laughs> This section is called Cameron Reads Comics, and actually it's titled after my hashtag on Instagram. So if you want to check out what I'm up to and what comic-related things I'm doing, uh, open up hashtag Cameron Reads Comics. Uh, This section is some recommended reading for you, maybe based on what we've talked about on the podcast, and really some titles that just get me fired up. So this uh, podcast's recommended reading, or Cameron Reads Comics, is Daredevil by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen. Uh, they have three. They have an omnibus option, which is the full run, and a complimentary omnibus companion, which is later issues by Frank Miller. Um, that one's really good. That one has Man Without Fear and uh, Daredevil: Born Again, which are two great titles. But the original 1980s run that they did is uh, in in the original omnibus, which is I think 125 bucks. Uh, so you you have that one. But specifically, they also have the three volume complete collection which is uh, really awesome, specifically from the recommended reading. If you're balling on a budget, read Volume 2, which is uh, where I think Bullseye and Daredevil be, become, Bullseye becomes one of the most deadly, scary, terrifying villains in the Marvel Universe ever. Uh, where he, there's, a, there's an issue where he, right before Daredevil 181, which is my favorite comic of all time, Daredevil and him fight at a carnival and... Bullseye has gone so crazy mentally that he sees every person in the carnival as Daredevil, which leads up tremendously to Daredevil 181, where the entire issue is narrated by Bullseye saying, I'm getting ready for you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to fight you. And eventually the classic moment where he ends up killing Elektra. So that is all in, I believe, Frank Miller, Klaus Janssen, Daredevil Volume 2. Check it out and try not to cry. I was excited to read it until you spoiled the ending there for me. That came out in the 80s. Okay, watch Ben Affleck's Daredevil. And oh, it's spoiled. safe to talk about it now? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. That's good. You think uh, Bullseye, or Bullseye would be an awesome villain for the next season, right? they got to do a season three. Uh, well, it's like, yes, I really do. But I think they kind of ruined it in season two because they made, I think it was, it was the Hand who ended up killing Electra. But for me, the panel is... Uh, the, the the most crazy one is Bullseye gets like a hold of a cart or something and he he like throws it Electra and it hits her in the throat. She can't breathe and he just comes out to her and with her own Sigh. Oh, sigh, thank you. Right through the gut. And so it it is so powerful and she crawls over to Matt Murdoch's apartment and she's just like 
she dies in his arms, and it's so sad. And you feel you're so ooh, sorry, you're so emotionally connected to the character that it just wounds you deeper. And so they did that on the Daredevil season two, where the hand just kills her, and kind of in the same way. But man, you kind of took that moment away from Daredevil hating Bullseye. I mean, with everything, he ends up breaking all of the bones in his body. Uh, you took that moment away in season two, but honestly, it was worth it because now we're going to see him fight the hand. So, Yeah. Thanks. All right. All right. Check it cool. out. Check it out, guys. All right. Thanks for listening. Well, guys, since we are a new podcast, uh, if you like what you heard, please uh, give us those five-star reviews. We really appreciate it. Uh, look for updates on Humanican Media Facebook, and you can find the podcast and download it on podcast.com or your podcast app. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode. See you next time. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.